The audio podcast edition of Farlands or Bust is made possible by support from fans on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash Mac to keep this series commercial free. Hello, zombies, and hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Kurt. Welcome back to Farlands or Bust. Zombies are just so excited to congratulate us for reaching episode 611. 611 of this series, Farlands or Bust, as I've already said. This episode coming to you on Wednesday, October 5th, 2016. And of course, episode 611 is is nothing to scoff at, Wolfie. Nothing to scoff at at all as we as we exit our hidey hole and work our way west here in Minecraft Beta 1.7.3. Allow the piano music to waft over you as we tell a tale of a of a of a, of a quaint. Little Minecraft world, a little Minecraft Let's Play that started back in March 2011. Building, building a house, a cabin, exploring some of the surrounding woods and snowy forests. Only to, by the 10th episode, decide that, hey, this is all kind of boring. <laughs> Let's go on an adventure. And in episode 11, still March 2011, we uh, decided to set our sights west departed from the front stoop. The stoop, I say. The front stoop of our craftily built log cabin towards regions unknown. Towards regions known as the Farlands. Only a mere 12 and a half million blocks from spawn, and we've been continuing to do that, like I said, since episode 11, so that means... We've been walking for, officially now, 600 episodes of Walking West. Obviously, there have been some misdirections, some confusions, some delays along the way, but I think in what we haven't been walking for during the episodes is probably made up for in the Flabathons, the live streams. Every, every season of Far Lands or Busts ends with a flabathon, a live stream marathon of, of walking, so I think we could say that we've all fair, fairly well evenly evened that out. So yeah, 600 episodes since episode 11, since we started. We pretty much started right away as well. We didn't dilly-dally. We started the episode and said, let's-a go! And let's-a go we did, and we continue to go. And you guys, you guys continue to go to farlandsorbus.com, don't you know? Ooh! Watch that first step there, Wolfie! Uh, you guys continue going to farlandsorbus.com to donate to charity. Child's Play charity, that is. Ooh, voice crack. Child's Play charity. Farlandsorbus.com right there on the homepage is where you can donate and where you can track our current season's goal. This is season six, like I mentioned. Trying to raise $60,000 for season six. Currently at $41,404. $60,404. Sixty-nine percent of the way there. All right. Sixty-nine percent of the way to our goal, so I appreciate the continued support. Like I mentioned in the last episode, which was a while ago, I'll get to that in a moment. The last episode, uh, our, our our dear Farlander friend, Fajitas Command, matched five hundred dollars of donations. Once we raised thirty-seven thousand dollars, went ahead and matched 
the $500 that were raised since then. And, and so that's why we got a nice healthy jump as well as quite a few. Uh, ooh, most had a disaster there. Let's not maybe continue to tempt that disaster. Um, <laughs> of course, other donations came in as well that helped us push, push that uh, goal even further. And all that money goes directly to Child's Play Charity, helping get Toys Books games to kids in hospitals around the world. Wolfie. Hmm. Nah, let's continue on. I was gonna think about grabbing that iron, but I really have, aside from my bent, worn, and 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 dented and rusted iron armor, haven't haven't much use for the iron quite yet that I already have. The sword might need to be replaced. Um, but yeah, let's let's actually let's let's feed Wolfie because <laughs> that was that was quite a fall. Feed Wolfie, feed Wolfie, and try not to feed ourselves. All right. So continuing on, yeah, farlinesandbust.com. Keep donating. Much appreciated. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since episode 610. Two weeks. Two weeks in that we were away at Minecon 2016 in Anaheim, California, for one of those weekends. And then we were away for TwitchCon San Diego, California, for the other weekend. And now we are back. We are back. Gathering gathering resources and continuing on here in episode 611. And we are back with many a story. But this episode, this episode has got a dedicated story. But first, but first, I want to really quickly mention, uh, like I said, today's Wednesday, October 5th. I just came from TwitchCon. Twitch announced, amongst many things, that they uh, are releasing or have released and made live Twitch Prime. That is, if you have Amazon... Amazon Prime, you now have Twitch Prime, which includes ad-free viewing, uh, perks, perks and other such things, but also one free subscription, a free subscription to the channel of your choice. Subscriptions are normally $4.99, aren't they? Normally $4.99. But with Twitch Prime, that is through Amazon Prime, you get a free subscription, one a month to distribute to your favorite streamer as you see fit. Of course, you can have as many subscriptions as you'd like if you pay for them, but this free subscription uh, is a very useful thing to put towards your favorite Twitch streamer. But wait, there's more. They are also, by the end of today, by the end of the day this episode is going up, Wednesday, October 5th, for every 100,000 subscriptions, subscriptions that are transacted, on the Twitch website, whether or not they be real subscription, real, well, they're all real subscriptions, whether or not they be paid subscriptions or Twitch Prime subscriptions, for every 100,000 of those, Amazon.com will match for $100,000 going directly to another charity, Game Changer Charity, actually a, a very close collaborator with Child's Play Charity, Game Changer Charity, also working with kids with diseases in, in hospitals, and uh, providing them the support that they need. Game Changer Charity is, is going to get $100,000 for every 100,000 subscriptions that happen before the end of Wednesday, that is today. So if you have Amazon Prime and you have Twitch, combine those two, combine those two uh, services. There are some fairly easy-to-follow steps. If you're signed into Amazon and you're signed into Twitch, it's pretty easy to link those accounts, and then you get your free subscription. Use that free subscription anywhere. 
And that counts one towards the next hundred thousand that will be donated to Game Changer Charity without a single dime out of your own pocket. And uh, that that would be much appreciated. Another really cool little goal and a good cause. Coming of the gaming community. And of course, I am indeed pushing really hard. It, it is 10 o'clock p.m. Be prepared for another late night Farlands and Bus recording. It's 10 p.m. So I'm gonna burn the midnight oil to try to edit and render and upload and publish this episode by tomorrow morning, Wednesday, October 5th. That is to say, so that you can get this notification. But also, I'll be streaming tomorrow, Wednesday, October 5th. So I don't know if you have one of those Twitch Prime subscriptions just hanging around. Maybe, maybe you want to distribute it to your favorite Farlander. I don't know. I don't know. No pressure, no pressure, but I'll be live-streaming. Getting back into live-streaming and telling even more stories and recollections from the past weeks that I've been away. But like I said, I will delay no more. This episode, a very special episode, episode 611, is going to be dedicated to talking about a very fortunate circumstance that happened while we were in L.A. for Minecon. Our good friend Azisto has a fan of his Kerbal Space Program a, a series a, and other series who happens to work at a little company called SpaceX. Space Exploration Technologies. That's right. Zisto's fan Jason works there and offered a tour, a behind-the-scenes tour of the SpaceX rocket building facility and headquarters in Hawthorne, California, very conveniently on a road called Rocket Road, uh, invited uh, Zisto and uh, four of the Mindcrackers. Unfortunately, it could only be Mindcrackers who are U.S. citizens, SpaceX does work for the U.S. military and Air Force, therefore they cannot allow non-citizens to tour inside their facilities. Uh, it's very similar terms if you were to be touring behind the scenes at uh, NASA facilities or, or uh, Kennedy Space Center, uh, as I've experienced through NASA tweet-ups. Uh, so myself, obviously Zisto, obviously, uh, Good, Sevidus, and Michael, all packed into an Uber and made our way from Anaheim back to L.A. to tour. Look at this behind. The, they don't even do public tours. They do have a nice system for these kind of friends and family tours set up. Uh, to get a tour of this facility, very, very generously offered and and held uh, by, like I said, Zisto's fan Jason. That I will, I will spend the rest of the episode and perhaps even more talking about because it is just that freaking amazing. In the morning. And a SpaceXness. Indeedness. Indeedness. So, yeah. SpaceX. Now, SpaceX has multiple facilities. Uh, another headquarters in Texas. Um, where they're also breaking ground on another launch pad of their own, which is interesting news indeed. But this one in, like I said, L.A. It's in L.A., but Hawthorne, California, is where all the rockets get built, where all the Falcon 9s get built, where the Dragon capsules get built. Pretty much everything SpaceX does is built in-house. The rocket engines, the rocket stages, the spacecraft, the Dragon capsules, the, 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 the payload shrouds, uh, the avionics, 
There's even an entire room. We picked into a room where it's all computers. This is where all the flight software and and, and coding takes place in-house. The control room. The control room that you see during the broadcasts of SpaceX launches, where generally Elon Musk is sitting in the front row uh, of the rows of computer and the big screens, and then behind them is a window out to the factory floor where all the employees stand to to watch the the launches uh, is there as well, uh, and, and it's an amazing place. It, I'm I'm I I didn't ta- I didn't put down that many notes. I mean, first of all. Uh, well, I guess I could just go down chronologically. Uh, let me just give you the TLDR. Uh, SpaceX is going to Mars. <laughs> I had my doubts before. Yeah, <laughs> I had my doubts before. I've, I've expressed my doubts before that, ooh, that's a, that's a tall order there, are you sure? Uh, and certainly even in light of recent uh, issues with launches previously, um, there have been even more questions raised. There have been delays to the launches. Uh, there have been delays to the Falcon Heavy program. Uh, there have been uh, investigations and press conferences and whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and then there's, let alone the technological and uh, funding side of, of going to Mars. And, and here Elon Musk is still sticking to his sending... Uh, an unmanned mission to Mars by 2018, was it? And then 2020 uh, are some milestones, and I believe he even said crewed missions by 2025. What? What? Um, Yeah, he's going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, SpaceX, the the people working in this building are going to do that. Uh, All all of my doubts have been uh, thoroughly quenched. Uh, perhaps just visually overwhelmed, I don't know. Uh, perhaps it's just because it's an incredibly emotional place to go uh, and experience as someone, as you know, who is such a big fan and proponent of space exploration and, and crude space exploration uh, on top of that. But, uh, whew, it is an overwhelming place. It is an overwhelming place indeed. So let me do the rundown. Let me do the rundown indeed. We get there, obviously. We uh, get our badges. We're basically told no photos or just leave your phones in your pockets on the inside of the building. Similar terms within certain uh, buildings at Kennedy Space Center and NASA facilities, uh, obviously. We were able to take pictures of the outside, however, and uh, very interestingly, excuse me, on the outside of the SpaceX facilities. You could, if you live in the area, drive down there and check it out yourself. They have a Falcon 9 first stage... The first first stage that landed, remember that first landing? That it stuck the landing on the land? Uh, the land landing pad, not the barge. Uh, it took a few tries to land on the barge. But the first Falcon 9 that landed, launched its payload, and then landed back at Cape Canaveral on SpaceX landing pad is now, I don't know if permanently, but looks permanently installed right there in the front yard, I suppose you'd call it, of the SpaceX facilities. And we got to, there's a, there's a glass wall around it. There's a bus stop out there. It's right on the corner of a very busy road, uh, right near the interstate. Is it the interstate or is it the freeway? Whatever. Uh, so just members of the public can, can walk around it and get super close to it. We got to go behind that wall because <laughs> we had the fancy badges. Uh, we got to go behind that wall. You've possibly, if you follow any of us on Twitter, myself or Good or Mindcrack or whoever, uh, saw the pictures I posted there and on Instagram. Uh, pretty much there was nothing stopping us from walking right underneath the rocket uh, other than the security guard telling us to stay outside of the white circle that it is located in. 
uh, huge. You cannot get the sense of scale from watching these live streams on TV when both the rocket launches and then when the rocket lands. Similarly with the space shuttle. If you've never seen a space shuttle up close, it will blow your mind that this is a thing that we sent to space and then glid. We, it was the glider. It was a glider when it returned back from space with uh, up to seven people on board and a Hubble telescope or so. Uh, the scale of these machines is 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 very impressive, and it's literally a skyscraper. And it's got the huge, hu- just the landing legs are ginormous, huge landing legs. And I wonder even then when it lands on the barge and you see the barge rolling on the ocean, how does this thing not tip over? I mean, it has tipped over during the landing, but how does this thing not just tip over before they get a chance to, they literally weld it down to the to the deck of the landing barges after it successfully lands? Uh, just absolutely mental sorts of scales that just dwarf every other imaginat- imagination that you could possibly have about it. Huge, huge structures. Uh, they're not even structures. They're rockets. They're vehicles. Totally crazy. Um, but yeah, I got to take a really up-close tour of that and get pictures in front of that. That was really cool. It's still all scorched from re-entering uh, the atmosphere or returning and landing back on the pads. Very cool stuff. Of course, then we got to go inside the facility. So the cell phones were in the pocket, unfortunately. And and let me, let me just give you the overall scene. Uh, previously, when I have toured... NASA facilities, and this is, you know, I love NASA, this is no dig on NASA or anything like that, but the NASA facilities, uh, even even at the height of activity, I toured a few of them when uh, the space shuttle program and the International Space Station program was still being built. Um, not too much activity. Uh, the vast majority of facilities are, you know, you tour the VAB and you're like, oh, this is where the Saturn V was built, and of course now, okay, these are the cranes that hoisted up the uh, the external tank or the, the orbiter of the space shuttle system. Not in use, or, or perhaps just items that used to be in use, that you can only imagine how they were used. Uh, even I did take a tour of the uh, space station processing facility where the parts, the modules, I even saw the cupola before it was got, uh, put into space. Uh, the clean rooms are there where uh, payloads are prepared before going off onto the shuttle at that time or other uh, systems, launch systems. Not not too much activity going on, you know. Maybe a, a person in a clean suit or two doing some inspections or, or 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 tidying up, but but certainly not a flurry of activity. Very slow. Very you know. It's a it's a government uh, organization. Uh, kind of work a little bit slower at a slower, more careful pace. Sure, careful is a good word to have as well uh, when speaking of uh, crewed spaceflight. Uh, SpaceX, however, have you ever seen? a sci-fi movie where you get a general over kind of introductory sweeping view of say like a factory or a hangar bay and and there's the starship enterprise being built and in the corner there's workers working and sparks flying from welders uh, and along the the bay floor there's little uh, carts driving around with with flashing lights and and important parts being hoisted up on cranes and you know people just running around constantly uh, getting work done, getting work done, and it just seems like a, a huge operation, like they're, they're beating a deadline. That, that is the SpaceX rocket building facility. Literally, we got there at 8 p.m. The tour was at 8 p.m. They work seven days a week, 
20 hours a day, 10 hour shifts uh, for the workers. Uh, and it's just constant, constant, constant. There, there were little carts uh, driving around, forklifts doing things at 8 p.m. Um, the, the floor is packed with parts. Uh, engines, rocket engines. People are inspecting them with uh, flashlights and uh, parts. And then in the other room, there's there's these uh, the fabricators that are putting together the uh, the airtight uh, and weaving together the the carbon um, words I don't even remember anymore. Carbon fiber, carbon something uh, that are going to make up the shell of a, of a first stage or a second stage or or a, a, a payload fairing. There were like six payload fairing halves that we walked past, and those things are those are the size of a house. Those things are the size of a house. <laughs> um, people working. There were guys with blowtorches putting stuff, sealing the side of something for for shipment. Uh, I think it was a second stage, uh, an orbital stage, an upper stage of a, of a Falcon rocket. Just constant activity, and you just get that sense of, like, these people have somewhere to be. <laughs> and that is kind of one of those just feelings, like, this is, okay, okay, these people can do it. This is exactly what's happening. And 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 I've heard about that before, that, that places like SpaceX for, for, for workers are really hard places to work. They really ring you out, and, and as far as how you may feel about... Brown sheep, as far as how may, you may feel about maybe overworking their workers or being too hard on workers or demanding too much of workers, um, I, I feel like it's just, in that case, the dedication uh, and and the belief, the certain, you know, when I was walking through there, and, and I think, you know, someone like Sevitus would agree with me, uh, walking through there, it's like, okay, how do I, how do I, how am I, how can I help? How can I, how can I be a part of this? How can I work 10 hours a day uh, to, to do this stuff? Because this is like just, ha, ha, things need to be done. We need to, we need to get to space. We've got a place to go, people to see, uh, boot prints to, to put on, on, on different worlds. Uh, so that, that is probably why I'm starting to beat up with sweat on my forehead right now. But let's go to sleep. Let's catch a breath and continue in the morning. <laughs> gotta go, gotta go to the Farlands. Come on, let's go. Got places to go, people to see, blueprints to, to land. Ow! Ankles to twist. <laughs> um, let's grab some wool shear. Let's do it. Uh, but yeah, that's the general impression I got walking in there. Um, of course, I was also kind of blown away. Uh, Zisto, I think it was Zisto, asked... Because he basically went over a whole uh, a whole process of what it takes to to build one of these Falcon Nines, and they, like I said, they do everything in house. Uh, they don't contract out anything into the building of an entire Falcon Nine rocket. They get raw metal, literally raw metal in. It's it's turned into entire rockets, and then th- those rockets are are driven out of the factory, complete and ready as they head towards. Uh, Texas, or more specifically towards the the Florida launch uh, facilities at Cape Canaveral, and, and Zusto asked, "Well, how how long does it take it from to go from you know the raw metal into a a, a a spaceship out?" And he didn't. Jason didn't have the answer for us, but he said, and they often get emails and and kind of the 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 battle cry from from. The higher ups and Elon Musk is that ooh two brown sheep. We're getting we're getting some rare rare items here, aren't we? There's no pink sheep yet. It is episode six eleven here, Minecraft. Where's your pink sheep? 
but they say they want to get it to a point where every seven days a new rocket will roll out of that facility. Once every seven days, a brand new spaceship out of there, the brand new stage, uh, Falcon 9 stage, out of that building every seven days. I don't even think, like, airplane manufacturers make planes that fast. And then to have a launch every 10 days, cycling between their new Texas launch facility and the Florida launch facility. Of course, you may be saying, well, with those... Those dates, that means some there's going to be some some stack up, some uh, overstock, I suppose you can call it, of Falcon 9 rockets. True, but you have to consider the Falcon Heavy, which uses three of those Falcon 9 stages strapped to each other. So that, like right away, that was even before we walked into the facility, blew, blew my mind. I'm like, this is this is these are not plans I had heard before. This is absolutely mental. Um, so that's crazy, right? That's crazy. Um, sorry, <laughs> I'm very enthused. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was mental to hear. So yeah, we walk in, we get to see, we walk past the the software uh, development room, which is just a giant room full of computers, rows and rows of computers, each with like three monitors around the station. Uh, we ro- walk pack past a uh, a secondary, a, a kind of a launch. Um, command center, I suppose you could say. Uh, One that I hadn't seen before, because it's not the public one. This is actually one that gives you you a feed of the Texas facilities, which when we got there, Jason said that, looked up at what was on the screen, and he's like, hmm, actually, you might probably not are supposed to be seeing this. (laughs) Because what it was, and I can tell you, uh, I, it, it was an image, uh, a live image. Uh, the day before, they had released video of their, oh, what did they call it? Their Mars engine, basically a methane engine, a methane-burning engine, as opposed to your standard hydrogen-oxygen-burning. Uh, what they're calling their, uh, oh, what is it called? I've forgotten what it was called. Raptor? Yeah, the Raptor engine. That's right. That's what it's called. The Raptor engine. Uh, all around, they released a video to press saying that they had the first, the first test of their Raptor engine, and uh, what we were seeing on the feed was the the same images that we've seen before, but apparently a live image of a of a test in progress. Uh, he might have been referring to like whatever little numbers or statistics were on the screen. I don't remember what any of them were or what any of them meant. So uh, I'm pretty sure I'm safe. If the doorbell rings in the next 10 minutes and I disappear, it's not because SpaceX is taking me to the moon. <laughs> it's because SpaceX is taking me to their basement to leave me forever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was kind of interesting. I'd never known that was there. Of course, then we walk out onto the floor, and there's the main control room that you see on TV. Hanging above is the dragon capsule, the first dragon capsule that went to the international... No, no, not that one. Uh, The first capsule that went to space, went to orbit, and then returned uh, through the atmosphere and they recovered from the ocean. This was the first one that famously had the wheel of cheese uh, as a a very expensive joke uh, in the capsule. And they also, right there, near the elevators, have the wheel of cheese. Uh, So that's all burnt and charred up, uh, hanging from the ceiling. Uh, They also have a upper stage engine hanging from the ceiling as kind of a display, and also right there. This is all, mind you, on the factory floor. Uh, you can see all the way to the other side where there's rocket parts and those little carts and people welding and stuff going on. Right there in, in the factory is the cafeteria. Cafeteria, they've got some froyo, 
You've got your uh, your Coke machines, your soda machines, and, and your your uh, salad bars, uh, your ice cream. They have an ice cream bar. Was that a Froyo bar? Some sort of iced situation was going on there, right there on the floor. And we just continue to walk around. They have the only thing separating us between and and the floor was packed. It's like a, a warehouse almost. It looks like, but it's a manufacturing facility. Uh, nine. Engines, nine of the the Falcon Nine's Merlin Merlin engines, I think, are what they're called. Uh, the only thing separating us from those was was a, a, a painted blue line on the floor saying "Do not cross." Uh, right there, you're able to to look around and look at all the very interesting pieces. He went on to say that uh, obviously everything made in house. Uh, it was some uh, crazy statistic. He showed us the 3D printing room. More than it was more than half. I remember it was more than half of the parts of the engines built in-house are actually 3D printed, right there in-house as well. So the, 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 it's practically a 3D printed spacecraft becoming is really what it is. Uh, it was more, it was like 60 or 70 percent. It was something crazy like that, something mind-blowing. Uh, so that was pretty crazy. Of course we saw a few of the uh, the payload fairing shroud uh, that were, you know, for a future mission. A really cool thing that he said not many people have seen is we saw a, a nose cone. A nose cone that will be used for the two outer stages of the Falcon Heavy. Of course, this thing is as big as a two-story house as well. Uh, but, you know, like in Kerbal Space Program, when you have stages, outer stages that don't have a payload on top of them, you, you know, smack on a nose cone to make it more aerodynamic. Well, there's a nose cone that's uh, probably going to be used in the first Falcon Heavy launch. Uh, to be put on one of the outer stages. Pretty awesome to see. It was, of course, all kind of the bear, uh, the bear uh, skin. It's made of bear skin. <laughs> a, a nice pelt, if you will. No, <laughs> the you know it was unpainted and and kind of the raw. Is it carbon fiber? It's carbon something uh, that they're made out of. Uh, that that was pretty crazy and cool to see. Uh, and of course, all the there's a whole other section with. With robot welder thingies, kind of similar to the robot. They weren't active at this time, but kind of similar to the robots you always see in car manufacturing. You know, the just the automated robotic kind of multi-hinged arms that do do the work that they do, right, Wolfie? And uh, that was that was really cool to see. Uh, and, and all the while, there's like activity going around. Whoop, watch out for this uh, this uh, little electric uh, forklift or whatever driving by. Pallet jack going around or or whatever. Uh, a few other families or, or friends getting tours as well. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was in, incredibly overwhelming. And then of course we continue walking. We walked past um, where there's a clean room where they build the dragon capsules. There was one that looked practically complete. Uh, the dragon capsule, of course, uh, the uncrewed ones that are being used as reap supplies to the International Space Station. Oh, there's one right there. It's going to go to the International Space Station eventually. And then behind it's uh, one that's in the progress of being built. It's kind of missing its outer skin and just kind of has the uh, the metallic shell inside that's being built. And then right next to that, along a separate assembly line, is the trunk that goes behind the uh, the capsule and holds other uh, supplies and stuff for the International Space Station that are usually, it's the non-pressurized part that uh, usually the Canada arm from the International Space Station grabs 
uh, parts out of. I think there was an experiment recently that they pulled out of there. Oh, the hatch, the next hatch. There's going to be a new universal docking port for commercial spacecraft. Uh, I believe that's what the last mission to the International Space Station held in the trunk. And, of course, on the sides of the trunks are where the solar panels are, are deployed. I forgot to ask. I was going to ask... Oh sure, everything everything is built in house. Are the are the solar panels built in house? Because that would also be interesting. That I feel like that might be one of the few things, probably still in a fa SpaceX facility, but not this facility uh, that the solar panels would be made. I forgot to ask that. So yeah, that was pretty awesome to see. And he went on to say that even from the first Dragon capsule, they always put windows on the hatches and windows in the Dragon capsules. There aren't people in there. These are all just resupply missions to the International Space Station or test flights, but they always put windows in there because it was always built with the purpose of holding people and being for crewed missions. Uh, so that was kind of a cool, cool little, uh, you know, just one of those... Sure, it's unnecessary and it probably took a lot of extra time and effort and money to make, but uh, it's just for the ultimate goal that they have. Makes complete sense. And look at this! Still have quite a bit more to talk about SpaceX, so we're going to extend this special episode 611 to, whoops, to yet another night here in Minecraft. If I can make this bed fast enough and maybe not die to whatever is creeping up behind me, that would be grand. That would be really grand. All right, let's grab this. Thank you, Wolfie. Bing, bong, boong. Bing and a bong and a boop. And why not a torch for safekeeping? Let's go to sleep, let's go to Mars, and continue in the morning. And a wickedness. And a episode 611-ness. Right, Wolfie? Woof, all right, there we go. <laughs> let's just edit that so it sounds like he replied directly to me. I'm not gonna edit it. <laughs> you wise guy. Uh, oh, am I going the right way? Yeah, I am. So yeah, that was uh, that's pretty crazy to see. And then of course we reached the back of the facility where there were four. Yeah, four Falcon 9 first stages lying on their side. Basically, they'd go down an assembly line. The one furthest from us, closest to the wall, was the most complete. And then it will be converted into a truck. Basically, they strap wheels to it and drive it out from a semi-trailer, tractor, um, and then shuffle everything over one and then do the same thing for the next one. There were four right there. Very, cr It's just very crowded in there. Very crowded. Four Falcon 9 first stages. Uh, two down the line, one looked a little bit dirty and charred, and that's because that was a returned. One that had already flown to space and returned and successfully landed. He didn't, uh, maybe I, I forgot, but I don't think he knew which mission it specifically was from. But that one is being refurbished and is the one that I believe has already been sold. Uh, I mentioned this either last episode or the episode before, uh, that a satellite um, provider has already purchased a ride on a reusable, reused Falcon 9 at obviously a discounted rate, which is the whole point of reusing your first stages and your rocket engines to keep the costs down. Uh, so that was also crazy. There was a one on display outside the facility that had been to space and back, and, and here's one that's going to be reused <laughs> right there on the production line. 
they also had these crazy uh, welders that looked like big old uh, rings with crazy attachments to them and all these wires coming out of them that are affectionately called the Stargates. Stargate, because uh, they look like the Stargate. That's they're the diameter of the the uh, the rocket, and that's where they they basically build. You know, they look like very gigantic soda cans. They build those in sections, and then they fuse those sections together to make up the entire tube of the rocket. And they also talked about uh, he also talked about how they utilize these are aluminum shells. They utilize friction welding. Friction welding which doesn't use standard welding procedures of fire and heat, but instead crazy magic <laughs> wizardry, I say, that basically melds two pieces of aluminum together to the point where you can look at them with a, a micron telescope and they're they're down to the molecular structure, uh, indistinguishable from each other because the friction welding... Uh, friction welding isn't anything too new, but on the grand scale that we're seeing it here is completely crazy. Uh, you know, with the friction welding, you're basically, via friction, making two things into one thing, <laughs> is what happens. Uh, so yeah, he showed us uh, in some of the, the the parts how you can tell. You, you can see where the seam is, but to the molecular level, I, I, I believe it's completely seamless. Uh, in that regard, which is really cool. Uh, and then, yeah, he showed us the uh, the 3D printing facility, which is a smaller room, uh, but there's a bunch of 3D printers that, that 3D print in alloys. Basically, there's like a layer of sand that is with lasers, laser beams, layer by layer, makes up the different parts. Like I said, over half of each of the engines is 3D printed, uh, among other parts, I'm sure. And then he had a little example. They had, Like I said, they have a really nice... Even though it's not open to the public, uh, a really nice setup for tours there. They have little screens that kind of display what happens in each section. And then outside the 3D printer, they had little display parts that were 3D printed, perhaps. Just demonstration parts, test parts, scrap parts, little parts that you can pick up. Uh, unfinished parts where you can kind of start to see the, the honeycomb texture that the printer makes uh, layer by layer parts that would eventually go into the, the engine. There was a turbine, one of the, the turbines for, for the, you know, the fuel uh, accelerant into the engine. And uh, one of the parts was really cool is that it was, I don't know what it was for specifically, but I, I believe in order to make a piece lighter, obviously weight is very important, trying to get to space and overcome the, the surly bonds of, of the Earth, is to make it lighter, you basically make an alloy that isn't solid and it's not something that you would ever be able to forge because you're able to pick up this piece of otherwise solid I don't know what it is, is it aluminum? It was aluminum or some sort of uh, aluminum alloy uh, you can hold it up to one of the lights uh, and if you hold it right you can see through it. <laughs> it it diffracts the light through the metal because there are, are microscopic kind of holes and, and like a honeycomb texture. Uh, he was talking about how it's a, a principle of quantum mechanics, how the light changes uh, as it passes through. Kind of, what, oh, what is that called? What is that called? Where a photon... You, you have a, 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 a sheet with, say, two holes 
and a photon as a particle can only travel through one of the two holes, but in the quantum state actually passes through both. I th he was saying that's a demonstration of that. It was just neat for me because I could see through this metal. <laughs> that was where I got my... That's where I got my jellies. So, um, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was really crazy. And, yeah, this the whole facility just very overwhelming. Uh, during multiple points, kind of holding back some some emotional space tears, <laughs> which I will admit I also got at NASA when I went uh, for, ironically, the uh, the first Falcon 9, or I'm sorry, Dragon capsule that was to go to the International Space Station. Uh, that NASA social, that SpaceX social, I think is what they called it. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to see the launch because that's the one that got scrubbed at T minus 0.4 seconds. Um, but we took a tour of the NASA facilities and into the VAB. Obviously, it was fairly un... not active in the VAB. Uh, I think that was also the one where they were just, like, cleaning out the offices and there were a bunch of old, like, desk chairs that you could tell were from, like, the, the 60s and 70s and 80s. Uh, and I'm like, can I take one of these home space chair? Uh, filing cabinets and stuff all, all on the ground, kind of organized, ready to be scrapped or shipped or sold or something. But, uh... As we walked through the VAB and took a turn uh, around one of the holding bays, bah, right there was Space Shuttle Discovery sitting on its wheels, uh, getting furbished and uh, prepared to be sent to the Smithsonian Museum, staring you in the face. That was a that was a, a lump in the throat moment, but very similar lump in the throat moments, just kind of touring SpaceX, just because I didn't know that this is how it was. You know, I was. I was always imagining that it is very similar to NASA or, you know, oh, we're gonna, we're just gonna see kind of an empty warehouse. Nobody's gonna be working here at 8 p.m. It's just, we're gonna see some parts, parts on the ground, uh, so, some half put together pieces and uh, maybe a couple of rockets. But no, no, the, the, these, these people have a place to be. <laughs> there is, there is constant work and activity and, and science being done. Maybe not science, but certainly engineering science being done uh, that just like is absolutely hard to wrap my own head around but like I said it was like being in a sci-fi film where oh here comes the asteroid we got to get out of here let's got to prepare the ships we got to get the people off this planet you know um, and of course very I suppose fittingly ironically fittingly coincidentally uh, the next day is when Elon Musk made his uh, very since talked about presentation conference about the long-term future SpaceX goals and, and Mars goals, that is to say within 50 to 100 years have a million people, a million people on the surface of Mars where gave a presentation of that, uh, did they name it? I can't remember if they named the rocket or the spacecraft, but like I think, what did it have, like, 42 engines or something like that? Um, 43 engines? Probably 42 engines. I would imagine just for the sake of the joke that they'll go for 42 engines. Uh, anyway, massive colonies on Mars and how it's possible uh, with the trajectory. I mean, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not going to be around for that uh, if it's going to take 100 years. But I, I very much believe that now, and, and perhaps this is also where the lump in the throat came from, um, definitely, 
by way of SpaceX, and certainly if other private companies are, are along the same trajectories within my lifetime, I was starting to doubt. I was starting very much to doubt within my lifetime having any crewed missions put boot prints on the surface of Mars, but now I'm very much back into the wheelhouse of, yes, this is going to happen, and this is amazing, and I am here right now watching them make this happen. Perhaps none of these spacecrafts that I'm seeing here in this building are going to be the ones to go to Mars, but these people, and, and certainly the stuff they're doing, is what is going to get us there. And that's a little bit overwhelming, isn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, that sums it up very well, I think. I, I'm sure there's a lot I'm missing that I'm just like completely blanking out on because it was like too crazy to even comprehend. Um, and, I, and I think the vast majority... I, well, no, I actually have a ton of wood on me already. No pink sheep! Nothing too crazy special uh, like we've had in previous episodes. It might be a little bit more time. We got this golden apple on episode 311. So it might be till episode 622 until we can say we're actually due for another one. Although that's not at all how probability and statistics work. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed, anyway, this kind of special four-day episode for Minecraft Day episode of Farlands or Bust for your episode 611. I could think of no no topic I'd rather to talk about more. I could keep talking about more uh, to have for this episode. That's what makes it special. Uh, and of course, like I mentioned before, I will be live streaming today, Wednesday, October 5th, over at twitch.tv slash KurtJMac where I will be sharing and perhaps recapping and refreshing my own memory about other things that happened at MineCon in uh, Anaheim, of course. We met up a lot with a lot. I think one of the biggest groups of Mindcrack crews that got together and did a bunch of crazy weird wild stuff there in Anaheim, as well as other friends. Uh, I even met up with some uh, many, many fans Farlanders, patrons and whatnots of mine uh, there as well, which is always nice. And then, of course, there was TwitchCon. TwitchCon, uh, which I might have less stories of, but certainly a different experience indeed uh, with that as well that to talk about. So I'll be talking about those in future episodes here of Farlands Bus. I've got a lot more questions from very generous donors to Child's Play Charity, of course, to get to. Uh, but I'll also be recapping that during the live stream Today, speaking of the future, it's it's yesterday for me, but today, Wednesday, October 5th, 2016. And, uh, yeah, I hope you can find some time to join me for that. Of course, also, speaking of Twitch, we have a, a, a new season of UHC. Twitch and Mindcrack, I suppose. New season of UHC being brought to you exclusively on Twitch, their new upload system. So uh, those links are showing up on the feed over on my Twitch page and available on my Twitch page. Uh, kind of a neat little uh, arrangement we were able to get in on the ground floor of that system, meaning that there's some problems, but we'll talk about that. There's some problems, but it's still watchable, and I'm hoping everybody is still able to enjoy that uh, over on Twitch, because that's where I'm going to be tomorrow. I appreciate you being here today, and uh, go on the farlinesofbus.com to donate to Child's Play Charity. Whew, right? Uh, did we get it all, Wolfie? You ain't got it all. Thank you so much for watching. My name is Kurt. I will see you next time.
sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm very enthused. 